It's time for JT the Brick. How we doing? Baby, I'm great. JT, how are you doing? I'm not a journalist. I'm an opinionated sports talk host. We have a goal. We have ideas. We know exactly what we want to do here. Just win, baby. The Raiders' schedule is brutal. It's a second-place schedule that's front-loaded heavy and back-loaded heavy. The fans of the Raider Nation. Sound off like you got a pair. JT the Brick. I'm talking about the notorious ones, the out-of-control fans, the passionate fans. All of you fans are invited to be a part of the show. I'd like you to come in big and come in with a purpose. And that's it. Use the phone like a weapon. Enjoy everything we do. And please always feel welcome to call in and to tweet and to be a part of the show. Fair enough? And now... Here's JT the Brick. All right, I like it. Raiders coming off a win. They play their biggest road game of the year at Kansas City. Division game, Monday night football. Remember, I thought the Raiders got screwed this year not having enough primetime games at home. All right, why, no, why not get this game at home? Well, they had a primetime Kansas City game and didn't do well at home. Putting them in Kansas City, that's not doing the Raiders any favors. And doing it now, coming off a win before the bye week. I think the bye week comes at a good time. Do you all agree? I didn't like the bye week when it came out. I thought it was too early. Need it now. This guy's getting concussed. This guy's hurt. This team needs a reboot after this game because there's about four out of the next five games that they have to win, and I think they're better than the opponents or even with them, and they're going to have to win. I think we all realize if the Raiders are going to go on that run that we all expect, it's got to be coming off the bye week. And in front of them is Kansas City. How do you beat Kansas City? You either play fast in a shootout or you run the hell out of the ball and keep Mahomes on the sideline. Be prepared for both. I think they will. A lot of analysis coming up, a lot of content this week, and literally right at this moment on the Raiders' YouTube channel, a brand-new podcast launches. It's called Raiders Roundtable, and it's myself, Q Myers, and Lincoln Kennedy. We will do it every Tuesday, and it's just another podcast, but we think it's going to have a unique perspective to it that will live at Raiders.com, YouTube, and on all their other platforms. And maybe we'll do a question and answer thing two weeks. The format is kind of wide open. Everybody has a podcast. I have three. You just hope one or two of them work. You hope you put out good content and people subscribe, they like it, and they come back again. And this is something I'm proud to be a part of. Nice to work with Q, who's coming up next here as he does every day. And Lincoln Kennedy, Lincoln and I go back 20 years, and I love working with Lincoln. So we're going to get to all your phone calls the rest of the way. And we'll have Paul Gutierrez at the bottom of the hour from ESPN. Stoner dude, good to see you at the game, man. You kind of were in and out of my life very quickly, but you brought the win. How are you? Man, you know what, JT? was my first game of the season, my first home game. And yeah, it was so awesome to see him going there. I called in last week. I just had a good, strong feeling about it. I knew we could beat Denver. I felt strong about it, and they went and they pulled it off. The defense was flying, you know, and, and Derek Carr is going to have to do this week in Kansas City what he did last week. He's going to have to step into the pocket. And there's a little bit of room, man. Go get those yards. You know, like I heard a call the other day that I say that you can't be Patrick Mahomes, but you can maybe you can be a little bit of Rich Gannon. Just go get that first down. Uh, JT, I mean, I heard uh, Al Davis audio clips at the beginning of the show, and I got chills talking about Raider Week in Kansas City. And, of course, Phil Villapiano, JT, he used to come up at Ricky's. Whenever Raiderhead would play at Ricky's, I would give Phil Villapiano the microphone, and he would go on for a half hour on how much he hated the Chiefs. And those are some of my great Raider moments, Raider player moments. But you know what? I know the prognosticators are saying that this week is all about the, the Chiefs, and we know it's the toughest game on the schedule, JT. And at the beginning of the season, you always ask, 
what away game are we going to go to? Well, I'm telling you right now, JT, I've had it circled on my calendar. I'm going for the first time in my life to Arrowhead Stadium, Monday Night Football, to go watch the Raiders. So I'm going to be out there making some noise on the Raiders sideline. I look forward to seeing some more Raider fans out there. So hopefully get this two weeks in a row. Talk to you later, JT. Thanks, my friend. Appreciate you calling in. And two, this would be the biggest win of the season. I don't care what happens after that. Denver, everything. This is the game that you look at and say, come on, if there's one, if there's one that I'm not sure of, go get this one. And the analysis will be in depth. I think everybody's on the same page. You know, there's some game plans that are going to come up here that are going to be a bit bizarre, really different. Like the game plan against Houston. I don't know what it's going to be. They don't have a great quarterback. Can they run it? Do the Raiders need to run it or throw it? I don't know. I'm going to pre- prepare for Houston after the bye week. But I've done so many Kansas City games in my career, pre and post or on the radio. I know what's coming. I know. I'm the guy at the gate yelling, screaming, misdirection. I should have a T-shirt that just says misdirection because that's all they ever do. And one of these years, they're going to stop it. One of these years, they're going to sniff out a misdirection play. We're going to start rolling out to the right. We're going to throw it back to the left. And some Raider's going to be there planting somebody. And that will be the beginning of the death of misdirection. Until then, Andy Reid's going to run it over and over and over again until someone can stop it. They know their Raiders playbook. They do. They know it. They they take it off the wall. Oh, the Raiders are here. Get the playbook from 93, from 2007, from 2014, from 2021. What worked against the Raiders? Run it again. Just run it until they stop it. And now Patrick Graham is paid to do that. Reggie in North Las Vegas. Hey, Reg, what's going on, buddy? What's going on, JT, man? I got a lot to go over, but I'm going to try to do it as fast as I can. First of all, what a win. They might not have been the team everybody tried to build them up to be, but the Raiders beat the contender they need to be. We have to beat these AFC West contenders. Beat them no matter what. Even if they're considered better than us, we have to beat them. It don't matter what anybody else is saying. The team has to believe it, and they have to go out there and uh, and put it on the floor. Put it on the floor. Hey, D.C., I'm giving you mad love today. That game you played is how you play it. You play the game like you're trying to win. Put them on your back, baby. You got to do it. No matter what anybody else say, step up. Like they said on all these shows, step the hell up. Excuse my French. But check this out. The thing I love about this team is our defense is very young right now. They're young, but they're balling. If you look at all these young guys and you think about the OGs that's there, Chandler Jones, he should be leading these guys to understand how important it is to win these games. Somebody like when we had Yannick, I was thinking the same way. McCoy, we had all these older guys on the field. I was hoping they could coach these younger guys. Now these young guys are becoming the OGs. They got to be the ones out there doing it. And with, with the Condor coming through like he did, oh, my God, with Hobbs and Amick, our defense is ready. Now it's about shutting the door. Do not let special teams problems happen. And just like you mentioned a minute minute ago, they cannot get this misdirection thing wrong. Sniff it out and be ready. What is it about it when you let somebody just roll into the middle of the flat and just get 20, 30 yards? 
you, it's third and nine, and you give up 29 yards, we can't do it. We can't do it. Raiders to win this game. Raider Nation, stand up. JT, I hope to see you at the next home game. Mm-hmm. This last home game, my son's first game at Allegiant Stadium, man, and we got that victory. One and three, let's look up, let's stand up, and let's go take this game in KC. Raider Nation, stand up. Good. Your son got his first win there. And, hey, remember, we have a game Monday night at the M Resort Spa and Casino. We're right there in the Coors Light chill zone right outside the Raiders Tavern and Grill along with Eric Allen. So come on and see us there. You got to come out there and see us as we are live. Cerveza, great food. Raiders Tavern's got really good food. And a lot of people love that room there. So come on out and see us. That'll be Monday night. Excited to be broadcasting from there. Our friend Big Al in San Francisco always has a really close, sharp eye on the Raiders. What are you saying, Big Al? Well, this is a team, JT. I mean, it's so different than last year and so different from when they were in Oakland. Um, you know, this is a work, this is a team that's a work in progress, but one thing I, you know, you know, I noticed on Sunday is that this is a team that's not going to beat you by outscoring you. Okay. We, we all thought that would be the case going into the season, but they can't pass protect well enough to be able to, you know, put a 40, you know, 40 points on Kansas city like they did two years ago in Arrowhead. They're going to have to control the ball, and they did a really good job of that the other day. You know, you know obviously Jacobs two touchdowns, uh, I think two hundred yards rushing, whatever that magic number was. But if they can't control the ball and keep the ball away from the homes, um, they're not going to win this game. You know, a couple of years ago we were talking, and you know, you know they had Tyree Kill, and they can just you know, you know they can just air you know Kansas City can just air the ball out. Now he just spreads the ball all over the place. And that's even harder to be able to defend. So how do you defend that? Well, you better be able to hold on to the ball. Uh, Raiders had the ball for like 35 minutes last game or 38 minutes, I think it was. Um, they better be able to do something along the lines this time because if they let, if that number slips and Kansas City has the ball longer than the Raiders, it's going to be a really, really long night. Yeah, you know, but Big Al, this is what jumps out at me, and you as a stat guy knows this. You want to run the football against this team. You want to keep Mahomes on the sideline. Then he scores in 52 seconds. And you go, man, we just had a drive, a 70-yard drive. It was eight minutes scored in the red zone. And then Mahomes goes down the field. So it's really hard to predict this particular opponent because of how quickly they can score. But I would agree, wearing them out at the line of scrimmage with time of possession, wearing out the Kansas City defensive front for the fourth quarter is very critical. Yeah, it, it definitely is, and you know this this Kansas City team might be the best might be the best team in the AFC. You know, we could you know we could argue Buffalo, we could argue maybe a couple other teams in the conversation, but flat out, this team is very very good, and their quarterback is is exceptional. And if you allow him to have the ball, um, he's going to beat you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't lose to teams when he has the ball. Okay, it's it's uh, you know their coach is great. He's a great player, and he has weapons all over the field. So we got to be able to take the ball, get the first down, move the chains. We had uh, double the first downs on uh, Sunday that Denver did. Just go in there and just play the same game plan. Basically, we're talking right. 1990 New York Giants smash mouth football. Absolutely. Got to run. Aaron Judge is at the plate, 4-4, and he ropes a base hit right up the middle on the first pitch. Wow. 
we got to that. You know, I've been doing this exclusively when I've been when he's been up on my national show at night and first time here. We've been going to judges at bats and judge in a four four game in the top of the eighth base hit up the middle here and he's still stuck on sixty one. Oh, he had a beautiful pitch to hit and look, the judges and judges were taking a look at sixty two and he's not getting it. And he's probably he's probably not going to get in a bat in this game. The good news is it's tied, so it might go to extra innings and Judge can come up again. But remember, they got a doubleheader tonight. They're playing a day-night doubleheader. Judge is, Judge is going to have a week off because the Yankees are going to win the division. So he's going to get time off. But, man, the Yankees didn't want him playing now. They wanted 62 three days ago and shutting him down and getting him the rest he needs. That's not going to be the case. 702-365-9200, Northern California on the Raiders mobile app. Here's James calling in. How are you, James? Hey, JT. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I agree with you about stopping Kelsey. Um, the Chiefs over the last, I don't know, for as long as Kelsey's been in the, in the league, they've uh, burned us with him and Tyreek Hill mostly. So Tyreek Hill's gone. They're going to go to Kelsey. They always do. Why wouldn't you go to Kelsey? We've never been able to stop him. So how do you stop him? That's the question, right? Mm -hmm. That's the conversation that should be happening this week. I remember when uh, Tony Gonzalez used to burn us. And what did we do for him? I remember we we dedicated Tyvon Branch to Tony Gonzalez throughout the whole game, and that worked. I don't care what we have to do. You have to stop Kelsey. That's number one. And I always go back to how did they – you know, who did the Chiefs lose to this year? They lost to the Colts. How did the Colts beat them? Number one, they, they contained Kelsey at four catches. Number two, they stopped the run. They gave up, I think, 32 yards rushing the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, the court, Mahomes had 26 yards. So I didn't count that. But uh, you have to stop the run. You have to contain Kelsey. And they got a turnover in, uh, on, on, on the, Col- mm-hmm. the uh, Chiefs' side of the field. So... Um, those are some key points. Now, why did we win last week? Because we went in with an attitude. We have to win this game. Mm-hmm. We had the will to win. We had a, they had a players-only meeting, and they said, we've got to put a stop to the bleeding. We've got to get this done. They've got to go into every game with that same mindset. Whatever that team meeting, happened to that team meeting, players-only meeting, have another one. Whatever you've got to do, mm-hmm. this is a new era. We have to win. We've got to beat the Chiefs. Um, Let's see. And I don't agree with the, the last caller in terms of ball control. We've got to go in and outscore this team. We have the personnel to put points on the board. We can put 42 points on this team. If the score is close, do not take your foot off the pedal, period. Mm-hmm. Do not do it. Just like we didn't do it at the end of the second quarter last week, and we ended yep. up winning the game by two scores. The week before, when we took the pedal off the pedal against Arizona, what happened? We didn't score three and out with one minute left. They scored with 21 seconds left. We lost the game by two points when they got three points at the end of the quarter. Do not take your foot off the pedal. You got it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate that. I don't think they will. I think, look, if, can you make magic twice? Can you say something with the captains and have another team meeting? No. You had the team meeting. It worked. You're not going to have it every week. Okay? It was dire straits. They had to get a win. They're better than their record. They are better than their record. But Kansas City is a very unique team. You could be 3-0 and and go into Kansas City and they can humble you. You could think you just won a game, they can humble you. Or you could show up and be in the game late and have an opportunity to win. Look, I've been saying this the entire time. They have the assets on offense to get in a shootout. 
I don't think the Raiders' defense is as good as Kansas City because the Raiders' defense is still a work in progress. Kansas City's is a little bit better. They've been a perennial playoff team. They've lost a few guys along the way, but they bring in good players. People want to play in Kansas City for Andy Reid. They want to play for Steve Spagnola. They want to play on this team, and they get good players, and you just got to beat them. And there's times that this guy's been down 24 nothing at home, Mahomes, to the Titans in the playoffs and come back and won. You play to the final whistle. All the cliches are going to be out there. Just play fast. Oh, how about a round of applause for me for telling everybody, go up-tempo. They went up-tempo in the first and second quarter. Yeah, we've been talking about that. I asked a coach about it sitting down across from him. Up-tempo. They ran up-tempo. Not because of me. They thought it was good in the game plan. Do you want to run up-tempo with Kansas City, or do you want to take the air out of the ball? That'll be our big discussion this week. We have Tyvon Branch coming up tomorrow. Just got heard, heard from the Raiders on that. It's a good guest as he's played well in this rivalry. Let's get out to Hardcore Raider. He's out in Denver after the Broncos just lost. Go ahead. Hey, JT. I uh, appreciate you uh, taking my call. Can you hear me all right? I got you fine. Thank you. All right. Right on. Appreciate it. Hey, first of all, uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, I like McDaniels, but he may not appreciate the rivalry as mm-hmm. much as he should. So I think one of the top leaders needs to, you know, kind of have a speech or something to the team, maybe even a video or like the Al Davis audio you played, but something to where like the guys like really understand this rivalry. Okay. Uh, it's kind of crazy to me when I, when I think back and one of the other callers, callers mentioned uh, Tony Gonzalez. And I was thinking about that too, when you were talking about Kelsey, it seems like tight ends grow on trees for the, the tight ends there and uh, the chiefs uh, kingdom. So, you know, uh, you know, Gonzalez ripped us apart for a long time, as well as uh, seems like they always find some shifty receivers, and then they'll turn running backs that are nobodies into somebody. It seems like so, you know. But uh, really, I want to focus on offense. I just want to say, you know, I think we should go old school. You know, now I don't think uh, Josh Jacobs should be a blocking running back, but watching that play when Zamir White mm-hmm. uh, got the pitch, pitch out, it really. It really, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It really reminded me of, in my opinion, I mean, we've had a lot of great running backs, but Josh Jacobs is my favorite running back since Bo Jackson and Marcus Allen. Well, why not run a two-back set, do a lot of, uh, you said, like misleading stuff? Well, why don't we do the same thing to them, right? We make them think we're going to do the same play we just did against the Broncos. Now this time you hand it off to Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Or instead of hand, handing it off, uh, send Jacobs in the flat or over the middle and get a big uh, little dump-off pass and a big play. Uh, as well as, you know, I want, what I want to see, you know, I want to see some guys, uh, you know, shifting around and some real misdirection. You know, why, mm-hmm. why not run, run some yeah. guys uh, short and in, in the middle, as well as guys audibleing, uh, you know, running, you know, before the play and, and uh, yeah, you know, motion, pre snap yeah, motion. Yeah, motioning and, you know, just do, because as much as I love Gruden, I felt like it was always too predictable. Well, let's, mm-hmm. let's run the same setup. Like with Gruden, we would have Waller in there and you knew it was gonna be a pass and then when Moreau would be in there you knew it was gonna be a run well we got we got to mix that up and and Josh McDaniels I feel confident enough in him and his abilities that he can most definitely do that we got two great running backs let's pound the rock down their throat I I came up with a nickname uh the silver bullet for Josh Jacobs years ago because when that guy gets the ball man he's just like a bullet coming out of the cannon he is against Denver yeah and you feel yeah and you keep Sorry. Yeah, you keep feeding him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, we, we played the Chiefs. I can't remember his rookie year or the year after. But Jacobs was just tearing the Chiefs up, man. He was having an amazing game. And then he ended up getting hurt. This is the first game Derek Carr has had a chance to play uh, at the Chiefs where it's mm-hmm. not cold. So he needs to step okay. up and give, give, uh, give a speech to this team. Let's get everybody fired up and let's know the importance of this rivalry. And let's not 
just take table Whoa, steps. Whoa, dude, got to have you take a breath, man. I'm trying to get in. I got stuff I got to get to. Thank you for that call. Okay, I got I to gotta get in. I got to get back in on my show. I appreciate it. You can talk long on this show if you got something good to say and energy like mine, and you had the energy there. Appreciate the call. Bracket Kelsey, smother him and don't let him beat you. The Raiders' corners will cover the outside and allow Max time to get home and make Mahomes uncomfortable. Raiders will win the game if they do that. They have to do that with Kelsey and have Max get home. Patrick Graham, who's the defensive coordinator of the Silver and Black, just spoke to the media. Here's a few minutes of that conversation. Today I'll say Bula Bula. Yeah, I even checked to see if they won. Did they win? Well, I'm just, I'm just uh, shouting out. Shout okay, out. there you go. Good, 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 good. <laughs> um, different, I, I know it's it's a weekly thing and you just kind of move on, but different feeling after a win to try to come in and, and work? and For me you know, or for the players? Everyone, just the, the building, the feeling? It, it, it always feels good to win, you know? Um, the big thing, though, about this league, you just got to move on to the next opponent, especially for this week, you know, with Kansas City coming up. You know, a division game on the road. You know, I, I would be lying to you if my focus didn't shift that night, you know, to Kansas City. Uh, but, you know, definitely enjoyed the win. I was really happy for the players. You know, you know all the hard work they put in and the reward they get on a Sunday when they get a victory, that's probably the biggest enjoyment I get out of my job, seeing those guys smile and be happy after putting in all the hard work. And then the coaches, too, you know, assistant coaches, you know, all the work they put in. I was just happy that we were able to get the win. As you're leaving, did you did you throw that game on when you got home, or did you kind of wait and watch? Absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Watched the game um, when I got home. When I finally got home, watched the game. You know, again, I, plus I enjoy watching football. You know, so when football's on, I'm usually watching it. You know, you could catch me a Friday night if there's a high school game. I'm watching football. I just I love the game. It's been giving me so much in my life, and so anytime it's on, I usually enjoy watching it. So when, when Mahomes makes the play where he runs to the sideline, he spins back into the field, kind of flips it into the end zone. Are you are you enjoying that as a football fan, or are you like, oh, no? That's- oh, no, no I'm, I'm not enjoying it, no. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, it's, it's a good football play. You know, you're always, you know, I have a lot of respect for Patrick in terms of just the fact of how he came into the league, uh, how much he's improved over time. You know, I've gone against him, I think, twice. And it's just amazing the growth you've seen over the years in terms of, you know, to be the be- arguably the best player in the league, you know, the ability to make plays in the run game, in the passing game, the decision-making out there, the, the ability to play under pressure. You know, he's been in a lot of pressure games for a, such a young age. And, you know, just the ability to really just to run the offense that uh, Coach Reed has out there, which, again, arguably one of the best coordinators ever and one of the best head coaches ever you know just his ability to navigate through all that you know and be at such a young age is it's pretty astounding you know well, well um can you talk a little bit about your relationship with Blake Martinez mm-hmm. um you know I, I know in the Giants he had some kind of leadership roles and um so you know what's it like to did you have you seen him yet <laughs> I haven't seen him this morning I did not see him this morning but um yeah, we go back to, I think, I believe it was 2018 at uh, Green Bay. You know, I met him, and, you know, he was, a pre, I think, his third year as a linebacker in the league. And really just, you know, our relationship grew from there. You know, I was coaching linebackers. That was my first time back coaching linebackers since 2015. And just got really a good chance to, you know, grow with him. You know, me as a coach, him as a player, you know. And, again, he's one of the smartest guys I've ever been around. He works extremely hard. 
and just had it developed a great relationship. So when the opportunity came with uh, New York, you know, we got a chance to sign him there. And I mean, he was he did a great job for me in terms of, you know, you know, running the defense, um, you know, echoing the message from the coaching staff. And I just got a lot of respect for him. I got a lot of respect for him as a player, but more importantly, as a man, you know, I, I just to see his growth as he's gotten older, you know, that's one of the the benefits of our job, you know, get to see these young men grow up, you know, on and off the field. And so we've always stayed close, you know, even when I left Green Bay, we stayed close. When I left the Giants, we stayed close. So just really proud of him, his development as a man. Um, something that you said, I don't know, I think it was last week that stuck out to me. You said, I'm a teacher. I just happen to teach football. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, you talked about Sam Webb a little bit, like how some players are, are still learning how to sort of be in the classroom mm -hmm. from that perspective. I'm just curious if you could talk a little bit about um, teaching and, and what it means to you and maybe who your um, role models are, whether it's football or not, like teaching-wise. So early on, you know, my parents are going to get a kick out of this, so... Uh, you know, my parents are ministers at church and, you know, they're, uh, you know, did missionary work and a lot of stuff when we were kids. And I was teaching Sunday school from about like 12 years old. You know, I had to do a sermon when I was 14. So like that teacher role has always been a part of me. And, you know, I think I was trying to run and hide from it. You know, I wanted to be in the CIA at one point. Then I wanted to go to business. And then I just found my teacher role and I just happened to coach football doing it. It's really the enjoyment I get in my life in terms of seeing people get something, get some success doing it, or have success doing it. That's that's what I that, that's what my fulfillment in my life in terms of and so to be able to do with the sport that's given me so much over my life. You know, you know whether it's you know going to college, whether it's traveling the world. You know, I've been to England whatever many times to go see football games. I get to meet all these interesting people I never would have met. You know. Randy Moss, I get to talk to Randy Moss. I mean, I remember watching Randy, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, the craziness there. But, you know, I just, I get a lot of enjoyment from teaching and I get a lot of enjoyment from teaching football. Just like, you know, teaching my kids stuff, you know. My daughter doesn't think I know math. I still remember math, you know. I took up the, you know, what I take up to uh, differential equations. I mean, I, I'm pretty high level, you know. So I'm like, she doesn't believe that I still know math, but I, I got it. I, I might not know the new methods of how they get to the answer, but I, I know how to get to the answer. But so I, I, I mean, it's, and then with Sam, when you got the younger players, it's just it's a different level of football. And the thing they got to understand now, you don't have the distraction of classwork. You're on your own. You know, it's, the schedule's on your own a little bit. So the guy's got to learn how to study and be pros about it. And I think he's doing a good job. He's attacking it the right way. He's asking questions, and that happens with a lot of young players. So it is, and it's always fun to see that development. All right, there it is, uh, Patrick Graham, a little bit of Q&A with him. Earlier today at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, I was there for the new podcast. It's running now, as we speak now on YouTube, on the Raiders channel. It's Raiders Roundtable, presented by America First Credit Union. So go check that out, get used to it, subscribe, like it, so you can get that podcast every week. It's another podcast. I have that podcast. I have my one with Looney, JT and Looney, wherever you download your podcasts. I think I have another one, too, with the Raiders. Once a Raider, always a Raider. We take our alumni interviews, like Charles Woodson, and we throw them up there in podcast form. Raiders have that all buttoned up really nice at Raiders.com. We'll go out to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN next. On the Broncos, 29, 2.53 to go. Snap, 
Pitch to Zamir White, racing left side. First down, 25-20, upfield 15, inside the 10. Finally brought down at the seven yard line, but he didn't just pick up the first down. The rookies got the Raiders inside the 10. Love that run before Josh scored. JT, back with you. Paul Gutierrez was our insider guest at the Torch, along with Fred Bolitnikoff, Jason Horowitz, Tim Brown, Lincoln Kennedy, and he's kind enough to join me every two weeks on Tuesday. And, Paul, it was good to see you out there hanging with the Raider Nation at the Torch before a big crowd. How are you? Good, JT. Thanks for having me up there. Yeah, that was, that was great. And not only to, to share the stage with you, but like you said, with, with a couple of Hall of Fame receivers and, and, and Freddie and, and, and Tim and uh, you know, it was just a wild vibe up there that you yeah. really can't feel anywhere else before the game when, when everybody's fired up and, and hanging on every word of, that, that you and your guests are talking about. And it really set up for, for a nice day, despite all the orange that we saw throughout the stadium that day. They went home quietly. Like yeah, that, right? let's get to that. And again, you I'm, I don't know how much you're talking about it, writing about it, and you appear on other shows. Yeah, Denver showed up. Chicago showed up. Philly showed up. Washington showed up. They're going to come through on a loop, especially the first-time teams who haven't played there before. Denver didn't go the first year. There were no fans allowed, and the Vic Fangio era is over. I was surprised. They brought a lot of fans. That means a lot of Raider fans sold their tickets to Denver fans. Yeah, and, and that was one of the concerns, obviously, when they first started looking at uh, coming to Las Vegas, and I've had these conversations with both Mark Davis and Mark Bedane, who was the president at the time, that they needed to make sure that, uh, you know, it was going to be like a 70-30 split of Raider fans mm. there. Well, you know, when, when things happen and the, the economy does what it does and then people buy these tickets and see them as not only a side hustle but as a uh, another mortgage, I mean, people are going to do what they need to do. Um, I also think that starting out 0-3 may have had a little something mm-hmm. to do with that. But, but you know, we're going to see that. And Las Vegas is a destination-type city. So um, the best thing that the Raiders could do, is to win the game and, and silence those fans and make them go. I, I did think it was interesting, though, that Andre James yesterday on a Zoom call with us, uh, he did acknowledge that they had to go to a silent count on offense a couple times because it was so loud down in one end of the end zone. And that's something that, uh, you know, you got you to gotta take, take, uh, mm-hmm. take notice of. Uh, who do you give the grade for most improved in that game? Give me a couple of players that you think really elevated their game and needed to. Uh, Amik Robertson, number one, stood out. And, and it was interesting because I asked uh, Josh McDaniels about that yesterday, and he said, you know, the way he plays, he doesn't realize that he's not 6'5", 250. You know, he's 5'8", 170 pounds, maybe soaking wet with rocks in his pockets. But he played huge uh, to get that, that fumble recovery, to pluck it out of the sky and, and dart around 68 uh, yards. And, and he probably ran closer to 120 with all the ins and outs that he was doing. He looked like a ball carrier. And in talking to him after the game, he said, you know, I was recruited out of high school as an athlete, not as a specific position, but as an athlete. So I asked Josh McDaniel yesterday if he'd, if he'd already come to him and started politicking him to see if he could return some punts or some kicks. And he said, no, but I'm, the way he moved around with the ball, he looked comfortable, he looked good. And, and uh, for the smallest guy in the field that has such a big game, that was huge. Josh Jacobs, he does what he usually does when he's closing out games. And if they had stuck to him against Arizona, they're probably looking at 2-2 two and two right now rather than 1-3. and three. But you know, everybody, uh, when you look backwards, everybody's vision is twenty twenty. Yeah, and I think that loss to the Cardinals is going to loom. It's going to loom for a long time until the Raiders win four out of five, five out of six, and get themselves back into a manner with the schedule where they're in control of their destiny here. That Arizona loss was brutal. Not only 20 nothing, but the way that Murray had to make every single play, not only on fourth down, but the conversions. Now, for the Raiders' passing game, Paul, when we were on the pregame show, I, I didn't think the car would throw for less than 200 with no touchdowns. 
I thought he'd have, you know, a 280-yard game, maybe a couple. But I didn't think he'd run that well. He ran seven times, and I thought he ran with a purpose. Are we going to see more of that going forward? Well, that's the guy we saw in 2016 before the broken leg, right? I mean, he ran for five first downs himself, and that was another aspect of this game. It was Josh Jacobs. It was Derek Carr running. It was Amik Robertson. It was Max Crosby, you know, just being a terror in the, uh, in the backfield as well. But when it comes to Derek, yeah, that's, that's the aspect of his game that is going to keep opposing defenses honest. I mean, when, when that whole side of the field opens up and he's got no issue taking off and running 10, 12, 16 yards down the field, that's going to make defensive coordinators start to scratch their head because that's, again, something we haven't seen for a long time. And, you know, when you go back to that, that magical 2016 year that ended with such heartbreak with his broken leg, um, that's something he was doing all the time. And, and it's funny, you look at the numbers, and they don't really bear it out, but I think maybe it was more so the threat of him being able to take off and do that. If you at least have the threat and you put that in opposing defense's mind, that's half the battle itself. Paul Gutierrez joins us. You retweeted from Pro Football Focus the grades, and there were strong grades there, including Dylan Parham at 77.2 and Nate Hobbs. Let's talk about those two young players because Dave Ziegler's been talking up Parham big. Right from the draft, the first night he met the media and got him in the third round. And I, I love the fact that he's playing, he's starting, and he can start at multiple positions. And that's part of, of what this new regime wanted. Mm-hmm. Right? They wanted the versatility. And when you got a guy that can play both guard spots as well as center uh, at the highest level of, of professional football, I mean, what does that tell you? And, and as a third rounder, too. And, and, you know, beyond that, you just look at it like this was the first ever draft pick of this regime. Um, you know, yeah, they gave away their, they didn't give away, they traded away their first and their second for Devontae. So that, that, that speaks for something there too. But when this is the first guy you actually draft and he's panning out as well as he does, especially as a third rounder, that speaks volumes for what you did. And that's, that's great there. Um, you know, and, and again, you can't speak enough for what he's able to do. I and mean, the guy was starting at center, you know, one week ago, and now he's starting at, at right guard. And it seems like, you know, they've, they've had, what, now nine, maybe even ten different offensive line combinations, and it looks like maybe now they finally got it set. That'll give Derek Carr uh, a little bit of uh, comfort back there. And it lets at least the rest of the offense know, look, this is what we're going with. We're rolling with this offensive line, so let's go. And, uh, you know, they've got some positive momentum. Tough tough uh, road to go uh, up to your Kansas City pretty soon, but at least, at least now they have an identity going forward. Yeah, I agree. Paul Gutierrez from ESPN. So that identity is really important, but – you and I, for a long, long time, have been talking Kansas City on and off the air, and it's just misdirection plays from Andy Reid or whoever was there before. It's guarding Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill's gone. Doesn't it make it sound easier, Paul, to bracket Kelsey without Tyreek Hill? It does. It does. And, and I guess that, that would be more of a conversation for uh, Trevon Merrick and, and <laughs> Jonathan Abram and, and, and the defensive backs to, to talk about how easy something is when, when there's just so many different variations of what Patrick Mahomes can do. Um, you know, it's just, it, it's fun to watch, I suppose. I think it's fun for everybody to watch Kansas City play on offense, except for that defense that's out mm-hmm. there. So yeah. uh, the Raiders defense, especially going to Kansas City where Derek Carr is only one in seven, um, but that one win was huge. I don't think they're going to be, you know, anybody's going to forget about that, but. But, yeah, it's, um, it, it's a pretty big challenge ahead of them. But, but, again, they got their first win, and you just kind of go forward. And, you, and, you know, that's why they play the games. Yeah, Paul, the system's in place. Again, I believe it because I'm in the building. 
and I talk to these guys, and I, I always say this about every new regime. It always sounds good when they come in because they have a plan. John Gruden's initial yeah. plan was to get the organization to beat Kansas City. He was really interested in matching up with them. That's why they got Henry Ruggs third. They tried to match the player, player for player. This is now coming from the Patriots, the Patriot way, and what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to be singly focused on Kansas City, but I know that Dave Ziegler wants to get the program up to speed where they're as consistent not only as Kansas City, but Green Bay, the Niners, all the teams, the Rams that are going to the playoffs multiple years because they have a plan, and the plan is in place 365. And that, that, you know, I always go back to that, and you're absolutely right. I always go back to Mike Tyson, right? Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. And then you see exactly what happens from there. And if you get punched in the mouth by the Chiefs, then you figure out what to go from there. You're right. They can't be singularly focused on just the Chiefs because the rest of the division is so darn good. Uh, you know, I know the Chargers are a walking mash unit right now, but up and down the roster when they're healthy, they're the best, you know, talent in the division, I believe. The Broncos' defense is legit. The Raiders just beat them, true. Uh, and, and the Raiders, I mean, they're still trying to figure things out on offense, and it's something that we talked about before the game was that so many observers looked and thought, oh, this is automatic. This is going to click, and, you know, you got the elite play caller with McDaniels, you got mm-hmm. the quarterback, you got the receiver. No, it takes times for things to, to kind of coalesce and, and to figure it out, and that's what a lot of people forgot. And probably the truest thing that Derek Carr said all preseason was, that he was cautiously optimistic. He was hopeful, you know, but at the same time, there was a lot of things that still needed to be worked out, including that offensive line, including the timing, including guys missing time in camp and not getting that chemistry just right. So, um, yeah, Derek didn't have a, a, a crazy day on the statute, but at the end of the day, what happened? They won, so they're not really sweating that part of it. Finally, your alma mater, UNLV, the schedule hasn't been brutal. I mean, it's a manageable schedule, but you know when you see the season win total and you see that they got to win these games and they didn't win these games two or three years ago against winnable teams, what do you think about Marcus Arroyo, the Rebels as an alumni, the momentum and the confidence that this team's building? The fact that they were able to come back from 17 to nothing down and come back and win that game running away, basically, that, that spoke volumes to me. I, you know, as, as an alum, I was actually at that game and, and uh, walking around the, the lower bowl uh, and, and seeing that atmosphere. I mean, it was different from a Raider game, obviously. There's not as many people there, but there was a vibe. There was an excitement that I hadn't felt at a game since, you know, I, I didn't go to a lot of Rebel football games after I graduated, but my senior year is when they beat UNR uh, to go to the Las Vegas Bowl and then beat Central Michigan. And, uh, you know, there was a that was a time out of the Silver Bowl when the fans rushed down on the field and tore down the goalpost and carried it off because they won the Big West title. JT, that's how long it had been since I had felt that excitement. Now, I know they went in 2000 and beat Arkansas in the Vegas Bowl. 2003, they went to Wisconsin and beat the Badgers. But this feels a little different. This feels like they're truly on the up and up. And, um, you know, big game at San Jose State this weekend. And uh, hopefully they don't get caught in looking too far ahead because that's a huge game. But the fact that they're going to go to Notre Dame and play on that stage, that level, that's huge for this program yeah, going yes. forward. They already have the facilities. And the Mountain West is in a, in a state where, you know what, if you can put together a couple good wins here, you can potentially win a conference title and see what happens from there. So in Kansas City, do you go for the barbecue? I know you go as a journalist working, your TV hits. <laughs> but uh, is that one of your favorite cities to go overall, in and out type cities, or an overnight there? Because you know people there has a lot to do in great restaurants. It is. I always make it. I make a pilgrimage. I go to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, nice. which I which I uh, covered when it first opened when I worked at Sports Illustrated, and then I always hit Arthur Bryant's Barbecue down on the other end of the street there. 
And then for whatever reason, I always take a drive up to where the old Kansas City Municipal Stadium used to be, where the Chiefs and, mm-hmm. and uh, Royals used to play way back in the day, too. It's just I, I'm a big history buff, so I like that area of town. Kansas City is definitely one of my favorite cities, and, and as soon as we get back, I'm in the gym nonstop because there's a lot of barbecue <laughs> to be had. Enjoy, Paul. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. We'll see you there. Take you got care. it. Paul Gutierrez, appreciate that. You know, good JT trivia. 24th year with the team. Been to Kansas City once. I went in the Gannon era once, and I never went back. And people say, why? Because I you know, didn't travel every game. Don't get to travel every game. But when I do, you know, Kansas City's not my choice. I don't... I like to go to Maui. I like to go to Florence, Italy. I like to go to New York. I don't like to go to Kansas City a lot. I'm not saying it's a great atmosphere. I've been there and done that. Denver, I got more friends in Denver. And, man, no one loved no one loved San Diego more than I did. Oh, that is a trip that just ripped me, ripped my soul apart not to get a working vacation in San Diego. Oh, I love that trip. The Raiders and the Chargers to go to La Jolla, Del Mar, the gas lamp the water, and they just ripped it from us initially to go to Carson and now Inglewood. San Diego now plays in Inglewood. Not a good fit. Uh, The Raiders play in Vegas, and Vegas is exciting. It's not Oakland. It's not L.A. It's different, and I think fans are starting to realize it, but I see a lot of great Raider fans having a blast at Allegiant Stadium and enjoying everything Vegas brings to the table before, during, after the game, and the whole experience that they have here. We'll wrap it up on the other side. Really good show today. Way to go, Bobby. Jason Horowitz, Paul Gutierrez, a lot of great phone calls. Good energy into the show today as we're brought to you by Modelo. You know, I reward myself with a bucket of Modelo's on Friday. This Friday, I'll be the MC for the Simon Keith Golf Tournament. He's one of the most unique and important people in all of Las Vegas. And I'm proud to be a proud partner of this event on Friday. Yeah, in terms of the concussion protocols, I mean, you're right. I did have a couple of concussions in high school and stuff like that. I mean, look, the concussion protocols are the the – I know the league has is in the best interest of the players, and, and the, the Raider organization does a tremendous job in terms of making sure that they go through all the protocols and then also making sure that the player is, is ready to go in terms of his ability to play, not only performance level, but just being able to navigate just the game plan and pay attention and making sure he's ready to go. And really, as a coach, you really have no other control of that of just making sure the player is 100% healthy, ready to go. So if the player is, is missing a game because of concussion protocol, it is what it is, just like another injury. You know, we want to make sure the player is 100% when he comes out the field, just like he would be with a knee injury, just like he would be with a shoulder injury. If they're not 100%, we don't want them out there because we don't risk them getting hurt. Yeah, and that's Mick Lombardi talking about what's happening, and I don't want to take this out of context. You could talk about that with any player, Hunter Renfro, Denzel Perryman. I believe what we're going to see now And this is not a Raiders topic. This is a big-picture NFL topic. I think that we're going to see, because the NFL is scared of this bad media coverage, we're going to see a longer protocol for concussions. So if someone has a really high-profile concussion, which means they get driven headfirst into the ground, they're going to be out two weeks. But if someone collides over the middle of the field, they nick helmets, and it looks like they're concussed and they take them off the field, they deserve to come back in the game if they're clear. They do, and they better not miss a game if they're clear. So you're going to see the more violent concussions turn into potentially more than one game. And that's going to affect the way you bet and gamble. Because it's going to affect your season win total, the point spread, 
losing certain players. And the Raiders got a couple of players early on this year. Andre James has been concussed. Denzel Perryman. Hunter Renfro. These are pretty important players on the Raiders. And now the Raiders are starting to be like other teams. I mean, Denver was decimated. Decimated with injuries. And so was Tennessee. And the Raiders came out of Canton, Ohio in the preseason after the entire long preseason pretty clean. Injury-free. Injury-free heading into the season. That's not the case anymore. Injuries pile up quickly. And as Lombardi just said there, you can only bring players back when they're healthy. Now, if a guy's got a finger, you know, he's got a finger issue and he can tape it up, that's one thing. But concussions, this was a really bad five, six, seven days for the NFL. It's all over the place, everywhere. And we just hope these players remain healthy. they got to remain healthy. The Raiders need this team at full strength because they're still not loaded at a number of positions. Maybe two years from now, a year from now, I think that'll change in what Dave Ziegler wants to do. Josh McDaniels mentioned the offensive line contributions. Really an important topic. I think it's been the biggest topic through the first four games of the year. You know, Alex has has, uh, been a consistent uh, contributor to us here the last few weeks, but He's had a great effort, a great mindset and attitude the entire time he's been here and uh, just consistently tries to work at his craft. Um, I think he's, you know, he's given us some dependable play over there. Um, you know, he's, he's been pretty physical. Um, you know, the communication on the left side has been pretty good. Um, we didn't have a lot of blown assignments. There was a couple in the game that we're going to have to fix here. But um, generally speaking, I think that's been pretty good. Um, yeah, the two rookies were in there for some important snaps together uh, yesterday. And, and Dylan obviously, ha- again, continues to uh, develop um, you know, into the type of player we think he can be um, now moving from, from center to guard you know, and playing basically the entire time yesterday at right guard. So, um. Aaron Judge grounded out, so he will not get a home run in the first game of a doubleheader. That's a story that will develop tonight after a break in between games. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Paul Gutierrez from ESPN and the voice of the Raiders, Jason Horowitz. We appreciate all of our proud partners. Thursday, I am live from the Shriners Children's Open at TPC Summerlin. So if you're going to be out there, what a great event. Get tickets, please. Go out to it. You'll love it. It's really that good. ShrinersChildrensOpen.com. Get some fresh air. Walk around. See the real PGA here in Vegas and help out the kids in a great cause. Because Shriners does so much in town. Cues on deck. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening.